Wives and husbands, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Please prepare our hearts uh, for this message. Uh, speak through Aaron. Help us to see you today, Lord. Um, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. Thank you. Good to see everyone today at, at Church Project. Don't worry, we'll be out by 2.35, so you can go cheer on those fabulous Broncos. Uh, hey, welcome. We're glad that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, we hold the Bible in high regard. And so what that means is we, we've been going expository teaching, verse by verse, through the book of Ephesians. And this week, we are in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 33. So if you have your Bible, you can open that up uh, to Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. If you do not own a Bible or you do not have a Bible, there's a Bible under a chair near you or there's Bibles on the lamps on the side. And if you have one of those blue Bibles, we're going to be looking at page number 676. So if you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. If you've been taking one every week for the last 12 weeks and you have 13 of them at home, then bring a few back, but here you go. We're going to read the Bible today. So, Chad, thank you for reading that. Uh, I want to just jump right into this passage because it's such a, a good passage. I don't know if anyone pre-read this passage or you've, you've heard about this passage before, but there's some pretty controversial stuff when you read a passage like this. Uh, some of us, even as Chad was reading it, maybe, you know, we heard a couple words and just went, ooh, it didn't sit right. It just, it just didn't feel right when Chad was reading it. And I, I want to just kind of say this. In general, when you open up the Bible and, and you begin to read and you begin to read truths in here, we all read the Bible through the lenses that we put on. And we look at the Bible and we read Scripture through our filters, and so if things have happened to us in our life or we already have thoughts, when we go to Scripture, we kind of read into the Scripture the things that we've experienced in our life. So, as this passage starts out and says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as the Lord, as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior, when it starts out like that, some of us, we just kind of twitch a little. Because maybe in our relationships, 
maybe growing up, maybe part of our marriage or looking at our parents or looking around and going, how dare God say submit to a husband because this is the guy that has done this to me or whatever it may be. So we're looking at scripture through our own lenses and that's what we try not to do. We try to actually approach scripture and say, God, regardless of my experiences, Regardless of what I've experienced to this point and what I've learned to this point, regardless of that, would you please open my eyes to something fresh and new and tell me exactly what you want me to hear today? And so some of us, we need to pray right now that God would remove our lenses and that the passage that we read today would just come alive in us. Some women may be saying right now, I don't submit to anyone. Okay? That's fine. I am, a, I am a strong, capable, independent woman. And I would say, yes, women, you are strong. You are capable. You are independent. You are beautiful. God has designed you to be exactly who you are. So how do we take that and mix it in with what Paul is teaching us right now? Some of us, we're a little hurt right now. We've experienced abuse. We've been run over. And quite simply, when we hear that we're supposed to submit, we say, I will not submit. Well, may I propose this? Maybe it's because we're looking at this submit word wrong. And maybe it's because our definition of this word submit has come from all of our experiences and what society tells us about submitting. And we need to redefine this word submit. And so, if you hear oppress or oppression, then you're hearing the wrong word. See, God is not saying, and Paul is not saying, we need to um, be submissive, and that means we need to let someone oppress us. And so we need to think about this, this submit word a little bit. Yet even in the passage, now let's talk to the men. Some men, as it talks down to later on in verse 25 and, and, and beyond, says that some men may be saying, I don't submit to anyone either. Like, I'm my own man. I'm, I'm self-made. I've started this, and I don't just submit to anyone either. And as we think about our wives, we might even be saying, I can't change her. I can't love her. I can't even understand her. I, maybe, you have been disrespected and bossed around, and some of our men are saying, I won't submit either. Well, the proper lens that I want to set this passage up for isn't about submission, isn't about how we've been hurt, isn't even about our wives and our husbands. The proper lens that I think that God and Paul is teaching us here is this. We're just going to get to the punchline today right away. Is that okay? All right, here's, here's the punchline. Sometimes the proper lens, uh, we've talked about chiasms, and it's structure forms of how Paul would write. And so a chiasm is nothing more than this. If you look at our verses that we're at, a chiasm says a statement. And so the first statement is, wives, submit to your own husbands. That's the first statement. And then Paul continues a series of statements throughout this passage. Then there's a middle statement. And then he begins to repeat backwards those, those statements that he previously made. So, here's an example of the stair step. The first statement is, wives, submit to your husbands. Look at the very bottom, verse 33. What's the last part of 33 say? 
it says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You see, it's about the wife and the husband there. So if we stair-step this whole passage, we get to the center point of what Paul is saying, and this is what he's saying, and you can find it in verse 27. Verse 27 is the whole central point of this whole passage, and here's what he said. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she, the church, might be holy and without blemish. So we look at this, and Paul's main point is not that marriage would illustrate the close relationship between Jesus Christ and the church, but that the unity between Jesus Christ and his church is a profound model for marriage. You hear that? Let me say this again because it's subtle, but it makes a huge difference in this passage. And this is what I'm saying, and let's, I'm going to repeat it. Paul's main point is not that marriage would illustrate the close relationship between Jesus Christ and the church, but that the unity between Jesus Christ and his church is a profound model for marriage. So when we look at this, we look and we see Jesus and how he loves the church. And how Jesus has submitted to the church. And we'll look at this in a minute. And we say, that's the kind of marriage I want. So the whole point of this is how much Jesus loves his church. The church, us, is the bride of the Messiah, of God Almighty, the wife of a king. We, his church, are a wife of the king. In Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11, we see, and you can write that down, we're not going to read them, but in, in Philippians 2, 6 through 11, we see the man, God, left heaven to go and search for a bride, which is us, his church. He humbled himself and served us, his bride, to the point of death. Are you tracking with me? You see what Jesus has done? Paul, as he's talking about marriage, some of us tense up when we hear this word submit, but it's not about marriage. It's about what God has done, left heaven for us and chased after us and even submitted to the point of death. Why? For us, his church. That's a pretty good model for marriage. That's a pretty good way to set up and say, I'm going to have a marriage that submits to the other person, and we're going to get and talk about this. But I wanted to start at the very beginning and say that he, Jesus, humbled and served us, his bride, to the point of death. That's the whole point of this passage. So let's look at it a little closer, and let's talk about some things. Let's, let's read verses 22, 23, and 24. Wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So we look at verse 22, and because of who Christ is, what he has done, we should submit to one another, us, each other, and we cannot submit to each other without first submitting to God, to Christ. 
So some of you, you may have the NIV Bible, and I think the NIV breaks it up in a better form than ESV. Because if you look at your NIV, it actually brings verse 21 into this passage. And I think 21 is an important part of this passage. Verse 21 says, submitting to one another out of the reverence of Christ. Or NIV would say, be subject to one another out of reverence for the Messiah. So when we get to this verse 22, the only way we're going to be submissive to each other and serve each other is if we first are submissive to God and serve God and know who he is in our life. Beyond that, it's going to be impossible for us. Every marriage that I know struggles. How about you? Do you know any marriage that doesn't struggle? Every marriage that I know of, including mine, struggles. It's a reality of our fallen nature. We can look back at the beginning of time in Genesis and we can see something in Adam and Eve wanted to go against his word. Like God had given this beautiful word and beautiful commandment and something in Adam and Eve wanted and and went against his word. God is a God of liberation and not bondage. Some of us need to hear that today. God is a God of liberation, liberation, not bondage. And so as we read this passage, we hear, wives, submit to your husbands. We're going, what bondage is that? And I want to tell you, God is a God of liberation, not bondage. For example, let's look at Adam and Eve. What did God command them? He said, you are free to eat of any fruit. Starts with freedom. And then he began, and then he continues and says, but don't eat of this one tree. So he starts in freedom, and he, and he gives a stipulation to it. He's a God of freedom and liberation, not a God of bondage. So we might need to change the meaning of the word submission. Because submission is a freeing word. Oppression, though. If we're reading it through our lens and feeling oppression when we hear this word, that is a word of bondage. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can think of it one way, and I thought about doing this. I thought about calling Chad Harding up here and finding a pressure point and making him submit. <laughs> making him submit with just a pressure point, one finger or something. And it's a good illustration that might help us uh, kind of differentiate between the words submission and oppression. The only reason I didn't call Chad up here is he'd punch me. So I'm not going to do that. But submission, and listen, please listen to this. Submission is yielding to a superior force. Submission is yielding to a superior force. Oppression, though, is being forced to yield. Submission is yielding to a superior force. Oppression is being forced to yield. God is not a God of oppression. God is a God of freedom. He's not saying submit right now and oppressing us. He's saying, I'm a God of freedom. You're free to eat from any of the trees, just not this one. And he's saying, if you, if you follow my model for marriage, wives, if you follow your role, men, if you follow your role and you submit out of freedom, it's going to be glorious. If we deviate, though, it's destructive. God is a good God that is about freedom in this. So submitting. I want to make this statement right now, and I want to be very, very clear for the men and women that are listening. This is submitting, and I want to make this statement. By submitting yourself to someone, it never means allowing someone to oppress you to the point 
of abuse. Submitting yourself to someone never means allowing someone to oppress you to the point of abuse. Never. Scripture never says, allow yourself to be abused. Never. If you are being abused right now, get yourself to a safe place. And let us counsel you. And get you help immediately. Because that's not the submission that Jesus is talking about and what Paul's talking about. Our our entire society, if you want to think about it this way, our entire society depends on submission. Without submission, we have anarchy. (laughs) Without us saying, yes, we're going to submit to the laws of the land and we're going to serve each other. Our entire society is built around this thing called submission. As Jesus submitted to the church, wives, submit to your husband. It's a beautiful, freeing liberation. Women, you are strong. You are capable. You are brilliant individuals. If we think that submission, and if you think that submission is weak, then in essence what we said is Jesus is weak. In Jesus, we see the deity, God, in the form of humanity, all-powerful. We see him what? Submit. What does he do on the cross? What does he say on the cross? Not my will, but your will be done. And he's submitting. Jesus submits himself to the Father. The church submits itself to Jesus. And the wife is to submit herself to her husband. Adam is not leading like he should in the story of, of Adam and Eve and the apple. And Adam's not leading like he should, and Eve is leading how she shouldn't lead. God designed an order is that man should lead in the marriage. It's just like God designed and decided that parents would lead over their kids. Here's the deal. As I have counseled many marriages on the brink of separation, talked with couples that were about to get separated, many times it comes back to this. Fundamental basic truth. That husbands are not loving their wives like they should, and that wives are not allowing their husbands to lead as they should and not respecting them. And if we lose the basic core of what Paul is teaching and what Jesus has demonstrated with his own life from the very beginning of creation about how he is freedom and how he set up marriage to work, if we miss that, then our marriages won't work. And for those of us that are not married and we're in here listening to this, this is such a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done on our behalf. We see the gospel message right here. God came from heaven, deity and manity form, and what did he do? He served us, his church. He loved us. The only hope we have for marriage is to do it God's way. And as Paul's saying in this first part of the scripture, the head and the body are completely codependent on each other. They need each other. Have you ever seen a body walk around without a head? Or a head walk around without a body? Like Paul is saying, we need each other. And wives, here's your beautiful, amazing role as a wife and how you submit 
and how you love your husband. I hope that you're hearing this, wives, as a beautiful thing and not an oppressive thing. And I hope that you're seeing that Jesus has done the very same thing for us. Submitted. Gave himself up for us. That's beautiful. All right, ladies, you can sit back now. Men, (laughs) I'm going to get a drink for this one. I I speak minis, minis, manis, mananis. What is it? I'm a man. I speak this vocabulary. I'm a man. Manny's, whatever. So I understand the way a man thinks. Good thing. Okay? So here we go. I'm going to light us up. I hope you're ready for it. Some of us, we need to get our our, uh, little tushes kicked. Okay. Let's get back on my notes before I say something stupid. Okay. Verse, Verse 25. Let's read it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And then here's the point of this whole passage, right? So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Jesus does the church, because we are members of his body. I know, I know some of you ladies are already thinking it, so I'll just say it right now. I I, I love how Paul only had like three verses for the women, but had like six verses for the men, and it's probably because it takes men twice as long to get it, right? I know, just say it, okay? But we look, at the, we look at these verses right here, and it says, love your wives. And at the end of the day, was it about you or was it about your wife? When you lay your head down on your pillow, was that day about you or was it about your wife? Christ gave everything for the church. And the question is, are you for your wife? Are you loving her like Christ has loved the church? He gives us a great example in this passage and with his life and all of creation. And the question to be husbands, are you loving your wives the same way? Christ demands us in these passages to enhance her greatness. He has done it for the church. And he's saying, husbands, enhance her, your wife's greatness. That's our role is to serve her and to love her. For the first six years of, of our marriage, Lauren and I, I didn't get it. Like I, got, I got parts of it, but I, I didn't fully get it. And being completely vulnerable, it took me moving down to Mexico. And for the first time, really, everything that I had planned, falling apart, and me f- having... Now, living in Mexico with my family, with no resources and no job title, and me broken, till God really started to slap me inside the face and really started to ask, Lauren, or Aaron, are you loving Lauren like I have loved the church? And I quite honestly had to say, no, I'm not. For the first time, 
well, that was obvious. Lauren could not count on me anymore or find her identity in me because I was getting broken by God in Mexico. It was the best brokenness that I could have experienced. Because when I was broken, Lauren really had to look at Jesus and who he is. And find her identity in Jesus and not, and not me. And what I began to see in Mexico is a beautiful, capable, talented woman come alive. She ran a half marathon. She wrote a book. And this dream of going back to school and getting her degree that we were kind of playing with at this time really came alive in her. And it was at that point that God was breaking me and said, you need to love your wife. You need to enhance her greatness. You need to support her. And I remember saying one of the first practical things we can do is you will get your degree as soon as possible and you will become a teacher because that's a dream God has put in you. She's been teaching for a year now. And I praise God that he broke me in Mexico. Are you enhancing the greatness of your wife? It wasn't until I truly enhanced and supported and loved Lauren that we came alive. And am I perfect at it? Absolutely not. But I'm glad that God is sanctifying me in this and growing me in this and making him more like himself. But God is working on us, men and women, wherever level we're at right now, and saying, are you men loving your wives like I've loved the church? And women, are you submitting to your husband like I have submitted to the church? It's all about what God has done for us already. Again, as we look at this passage, Paul says, men, you are to love your wives. That word in the Greek is agapet. And I want to, again, change the definition because in the society we live in right now, love has kind of lost its meaning, hasn't it? I can even love a Big Mac. How do you love a Big Mac? That's disgusting. Like, so we need to change the definition just like we did for submit. Submit did not mean oppress, and love probably doesn't mean the thing that we're thinking right now, because if we look at it in the Greek, Paul is using the word agapet, which is agape, which means unconditional love. And Paul is saying, husbands, do you unconditionally love your wife and serve her regardless of the circumstances? That's the kind of love I'm talking. I'm not talking eros love, which is just the love that leads to sexual action. I'm talking about agape love, selfless love, unconditional service. Husbands, our call is a high call. We're to lead and we're to love. And some of us may need to grow up and stop being so selfish. Bam! I just did that. Some of us may need to grow up and stop being so selfish. By our words, actions, and habits, we serve our flesh. Even our habits. I'm going to go golfing all day. I want to be away from my wife. I'm going to go home. I'm going to lay down. I really made her never better that day. And some of our bad habits. So I need to even need to talk about some of our bad habits as we're serving our flesh with our eyes, with our computer clicks, with our iPhone searches, how are we enhancing the greatness of our wife should be what the thing that's rolling through our mind and through our heart all day long. And if we find ourselves in a moment where we're just serving us and our flesh, we're off base, man. We're off base. All it takes is a little bit of getting off base, and it's devastating. 
And pretty soon, you and I will be sitting on a couch or at a coffee table, and you'll be saying, Aaron, my marriage is falling apart. And we're back to square one, aren't we? Men, for the sake of your marriages, agape, love your wives. Unselfishly, love her unconditionally, love her. By our words, by our actions, by our habits. Let's get down to verse 29, because down to verse 29, we see this word flesh, right? And in the Greek, that's sarks. And, that, that, and it says, what does it say? It means two became one flesh. God's saying, two, when you're married, you become one flesh. So when you look in the mirror, what do you see? You see your wife. Do you? Or do you just care about what you look like? When you look in the mirror, you see your wife. Love her like Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do? How did he love the church? It's in our passage. He presented that church with splendor, without blemishes, and without spots. He lifted her up. Husbands, are we presenting our wives with splendor, without blemishes, without spots, as we lift her up? That's our role. Now, this is not, this passage is not about gender hierarchy, and it's not being taught in this passage, gender hierarchy. No, it's about unity, equality, affinity, and love. We are men and women. God has chosen to give us that title and, and that position, and God has made us equal. If you don't believe me, look at these three verses in verse 28. What does it say? Husbands love their own wives as their own bodies. And in verse 31, it says, the two shall become one flesh. In verse 33, it says, each individual among you should also love his own wife even as himself. We are equal, and God has given us greatness. Now I want to get down and wrap up this message, okay? Let's get down to verse 31. 31, 32, and 33, let's read it. It says this, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then in verse 32, Paul does something that's beautiful. See if you get this. He says this, This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the conclusion of everything that Paul is saying, and it's a reminder of this, what this whole passage is about. It's a reminder. He says, this mystery is profound. Everything that we just talked about is profound. But hey, just in case you didn't get it, everything that we just talked about, it is and it talks about and refers to Christ and the church. Not about marriage. It's about Christ and the church. And in verse 33, that you would do good, modeling your marriages after Jesus and his life and how he's loved and how he's served the church. You would do good modeling your marriages after this. It's God's desire and design that as a husband, you love your wife as yourself. And as a wife, you should respect your husband. Some of us may have a few questions, and that's fair, because anything less than the vocabulary of hell is how we would describe our relationships or past relationships. So when we hear passages like this, 
It's hard to get those filters off our eyes. It's hard to get those glasses off our eyes. And it's hard to hear what God is saying because we've experienced nothing short of hell in our relationships with our past or current husband and wives. So some of you may be thinking, what if your husband or wife isn't operating according to Scripture? What if they aren't doing their role? Here's what I would say. Don't try to change them. Love them. Pray God would grip their heart and they would begin to walk in the way God designed them to walk. Don't dishonor them in public or in private. And our ownership in this is asked, am I treating my spouse as God has treated the church? If we can't answer that in an affirmative yes, then let's take a hard look in the mirror and let's look at Scripture deeply and let's model our marriages after the way Jesus has modeled loving the church. Coming up in February 12th and 13th, we have our grand marriage retreat, and it's pretty awesome, I'm not going to lie. We've had it the last two years. It's one of my favorite things we do at Church Project. Here's the deal. We're only going to have 20 spots, so good luck. When you see it coming, you better sign up for it because it's going to shut down, and it's awesome. So some of us, we may need to begin saving our pennies and and setting aside that time in our calendar because we're going to go and have a marriage retreat. We know the power of marriages and, and communicating and having fun together. And so be looking for that, February 12th and 13th. It's coming. But until that time, what can we do? We can model our marriages after what Jesus did in the church. We can submit to our spouse just as Jesus gave himself willingly for us to die on the cross for our sins even when we didn't deserve it. So even if your spouse doesn't deserve it, model what Jesus has done because we don't deserve his love. When we grip and we grasp how much Jesus has done for us, it's an honor to serve our spouse the way that Jesus has asked us to. It's pride that keeps us from loving our wife and loving our husband the way that he designed us to. If you don't like this message, take it up with God. (laughs) I try to give it to you in love. I hope you receive it in love. If God's working on your heart and working in your mind, then that's beautiful. That's what I pray for. So I'm going to ask us right now, if you would, just close your Bibles. This is the time that I pray for more than, more than anything. This is a time where I ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because my words are just human words. I can get it right and I can get it wrong. But I love this passage and I love how Paul has taught us. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would show you something spectacular for you today. Maybe what he's showing you as you sit here single, not married, is that this passage passage highlights the great lengths Jesus went for, for you. 
He loves you so much that he came in human form and submitted and served you to the point of death because he loved you. He was willing to pay the price of our sins even though we didn't deserve it. So every one of us, that message should be in our heart and we should celebrate that message today. I'm going to ask us to reflect on what God may be showing you. So if you're comfortable with it, just hold out your hands in a submissive stance and and close your eyes and, and just talk with God, communicate with God. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're just checking out church and who God is. Just say, God, would you show yourself to me? Would you show me how much you love me, who you are? have an honest conversation with God. Tell him how you're feeling. Maybe you're hurt, you're scared, your situation is terrible, you don't know what to do. Just call out to God. Say, God, show me how much you love me, who you are. Let me know that the situation I'm in or have just come through is okay. You've got a plan, you're working, and you love me regardless of my actions. Some of us in this state of deep pain, we've been hurt in the past. We're not living a life of freedom. Because we're held bondage by unforgiveness in our heart for how that person treated us, what they did to us, what they currently are doing to us. Would you ask God to begin to release you from the grip of that bondage, unforgiveness? Would you say, God, my heart is so hard in this area, I can't forgive that individual because the pain is deep. But Jesus says, call out to me. I'll release you from that. Give it to me. That burden you're carrying is just too heavy for you to carry on your own. Let me carry that for you. So some of us, we may need to ask God right now to grant us freedom by forgiving. Some of us, as we sit here, the Holy Spirit's moving in our heart and in our mind, really kind of convicting us that we're not being the spouse that God has asked us to be. The beautiful thing about that is that Jesus even died for that. He knows that. And today is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. And today is a new day. You can start fresh right now and say, God, whatever's brought me to this point, whatever my actions were, today's a new day. And I won't stand in that. I won't walk in my old self. But I accept the newness and the freshness of who you are, God. And from this point forward, can you help me submit, love, respect my spouse? I want to serve them as you've served and loved the church. God, please give me the strength to do that. I commit that to you right now, God. For 
For some of us that are married, we may need to take our spouse out to eat, cry a little bit, have some great conversations, and begin serving them more than ourselves. I'm not sure what God is moving in your heart, but he's speaking specifically to you right now. And the message isn't a message of shame on you, but the message is a message of freedom, love, and forgiveness. And let's do this thing together. Let's love the world. Let's love the church, our spouses, the way that Jesus has loved us. That's a message of hope.